Welcome back to More Than Numbers Enneagram for Business. I am your host, Keanu Trujillo, and happy Thanksgiving, everyone. This episode was released on Thanksgiving. So if you're listening at a later date and it's not Thanksgiving, then happy whatever holiday is closest to you. But we mentioned in our last episode that we were going to have guests on every episode until the end of the year, including the Benham Brothers, Major League Baseball players, multiple-time authors, entrepreneurs, or CEApreneurs, as they would call it, and great friends of mine. We'll have Larry Hubaka, who helped to build Elevation Church, specifically created the creative culture of Elevation Church, and other entrepreneurs and leaders that are really going to add value to you and your business and your goals. They've made the most out of 2020, and they're looking forward to what 2021 has to offer. And we're starting our run of guests today with Jeff and Beth McCord founders of Your Enneagram Coach, the organization I use to get my Enneagram certification, and authors of the book Becoming Us that focuses on relationships and the Enneagram. And they're really leading the way in the gospel-centered Enneagram. They've added so much value to me in building my business, not only in getting my certification through them, but they're very humble and kind people that have really walked alongside me as I've built my business. So I know they're going to add value to you. I can't wait for you to listen into them. Even Lamar and I got tremendous value by listening to them. So guys, pull up with your family. I know it's Thanksgiving. Introduce them to the Enneagram and I hope you guys enjoy. Some <laughs> Enneagram royalty. Um, they're super humble, very, very <laughs> kind people but in the Enneagram world. They are very well known. Um, Jeff and Beth, let's get started with just share your types and how you found the Enneagram. Yeah, well, I'm a type nine with an eight wing. And for those that are new, it just means I'm a very conflictual person inside, One, a person who wants peace and who wants to assert themselves. Uh, so it's just kind of this really interesting world inside. But I, um, I found out about the Enneagram in about 2001. Uh, Jeff and I, or Jeff was actually in seminary at the time, and we had some good friends that were struggling and seeing a counselor and that counselor recommended them a book on the Enneagram from a Christian perspective. And they passed it along to us because we were, let's see, what, five years into marriage, That's right. five we years, two kids, 25 years old, living <laughs> off nothing. <laughs> we were so wow. poor at the time. So you remember- can only imagine the turbulence <laughs> that was probably ensuing. Right? I remember my dad visiting us uh, at its Covenant Theological Seminary in St. Louis. And he said, I've never seen so many happy, poor people. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Yeah. So yeah, it was uh, our mentors. We were on staff with the Navigators for a season uh, doing campus ministry and our mentors, we all went to seminary together and kind of the late twenties, early thirties crises of family, of job, just kind of light that season in life. And they passed along Richard Rohr's book. Now, but you have to understand too, we were, we're, we're in seminary in a particular theological mm-hmm. tradition that's not known for its creativity and ingenuity. Mm-hmm. If uh, Calvin or Luther didn't say it, uh, they don't <laughs> care about it. Um, right. And so uh, we kept quiet, but it landed on Beth in a very significant way. Yeah, I could just see well, as a type nine, type nine see all perspectives and, but their own. <laughs> so that's why I, and I hear a lot of nines love the Enneagram because it finally gives clarity to this inner world. So the inner world of a nine is more like a fog um, at its best. It's a haze. So either way, we mm-hmm. have a truck, we have trouble with our own clarity of what we want. So we usually go along to get along, which we hope will keep the peace and harmony. Um, And so finally I had some language around what was happening, which 
I know it was really frustrating for Jeff because like he would want to know me better or want to work through things. And I just couldn't fully articulate or describe what was happening. So this really helped us and it helped me to understand Jeff more. So I could see that there was a lot of truths in what the Enneagram was uh, bringing clarity to, but all the materials I was looking at was not from a Christian world perspective. And so mm. it was kind of hard to read and always be filtering, you know, and, but it was yeah. great because Jeff being in seminary, I was able to ask, okay, I know this is true, but theologically, that's probably not how we would word it. What is a correct way of seeing this? And we just did that for 15 years over and over and over again, until we really kind of came up with a system and a way of using the Enneagram from a gospel centered perspective. Well, I remember uh, when in 2005, we moved from our, the first pastorate that we were at in Kansas city and we moved to uh, normal Illinois, uh, which is back to a church, Christ church. Um, is that an actual, sorry, is that an actual city? It's called, that, it that is. is an actual okay. city. It's, it's actually, <laughs> uh, so there's two cities together, wow. Bloomington and normal. Yeah. And um, <laughs> their nickname is Blono, which is even worse. Um, but it was there that we started using it with couples. They would come over to our house uh, just doing pastoral counseling. And so Beth and I were bringing this kind of uh, Tim Keller-esque gospel-centered way of looking at our faith, along with what Beth was learning about the Enneagram and talking about marriage, talking about parenting, talking about calling. And it started to resonate so much. And then we shared it with the staff team uh, at our church, and it significantly changed our staff team. Wow. I mean, uh, our weekly staff meetings changed all the assumptions and suspicions that we had of one another. Mm -hmm. um, hmm. No longer were they personal, but they were like, oh, I get it now. That in turn just bled over into other organizations, uh, schools. Uh, did, I remember early on, we did a dentist office that was run by a seven. Um, we did, uh, what was, it? what was it? The mom's ministry that we did during that time? Um, hearts at home. Yeah. Hearts at home. We did their leadership team. Wow. And it just started to bear a lot of fruit. Now understand this is 2008, 2009. So before everything became popular, it's like, we've got this special knowledge of this insight into <laughs> people. And that is, that's so amazing. And Jeff, I love your perspective on, love to get your perspective on what it was like for you as a six and then realizing that you were a six and just kind of how Beth talks about she got the language. What was it like for you? <laughs> it's a funny story. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, at first, when Beth, I, I did not jump on this at first. My friends had recommended the book. I think I may have skimmed it. I was particularly intrigued with Richard Rohr. It, the book that we were given was Richard Rohr's book, The Christian Perspective on the Enneagram. I was very intrigued by the introduction because the way that he described the Christian life was different. Um and I, I really, really appreciated it. Uh, and so I was intrigued by it and then got an overview of the types, but didn't give much attention to, I was doing all kinds of other pastoral counseling stuff at the time in seminary and doing some training. But when we first, you know, we didn't take a test back then, back then, like we're talking I guess it was 20 years ago. I mean, you said 2001. That's nine. You want to know where we were in 2008? In 2008, <laughs> we were eighth grade. We or first Don't okay. do it, Keanu. Don't we're do it, Keanu. Yeah, sir, we're revealing our age. Um, well, I thought I was an eight. Um, because? <laughs> because I did not want to be associated with the same number as Beth's mom. 
uh, who is a very phobic six. And uh, my okay. tendencies were to be more provocative, uh, testing allegiances. So it, it's interesting, Beth. I've heard Beth at times say that eights aren't necessarily the bullies. It's counterphobic sixes that are the bullies. They're the anxious ones who want to assert their power. Eights don't necessarily just exert it over people. Well, I, I didn't want to be a six. That meant that would mean I'd have to recognize my anxiety. Um, that would I'd have to recognize this these co more codependent parts of my life. And so for probably five years, I thought I was an eight. Wow. And then wow. um and then we went to a pastoral intensive at uh, Dallas Theological course, Seminary. I will just chime in and say that I always thought you were a six. She, she but always I'm not, No one's bragging. Let, let the people right. know, Beth. Let the people know. There's nothing wrong <laughs> with that. on the record. I, yes, yes. I need. I like that type of stuff. I'm all about that. I love that yeah. she chimed in like that because that's one of my favorite parts of coaching couples is they don't let their spouse off the hook. So when you're coaching couples, you just get to ask really great question and yes. the questions and then the spouse lays in and, and really helps the coaching along. Yes, yes. that's right. That's right. Well, I'm even, just here to coach you, even when we're typing people, um, sometimes it's, you can look to the spouse and say, do you think that's true? And just as right. an experience of them they're, they're Well, but that to say, um, when we went to this pastoral intensive, the therapist was the one who uh, introduced the Enneagram to our friends. And so he was a little more skilled in it. And he just called me out and said, Jeff, I don't think you're an eight. I think you're a six. I was so upset. <laughs> I, I think I, I stopped talking about the Enneagram for a year because of wow. that. And so my response was pretty strong to it. Now, making that pivot and understanding who I am has probably been one of the most significant pivots aside from my conversion because it really opened up uh, self-awareness understanding myself and the various parts of how I interact and why I interact with people in the way that I do. And it actually uh, calmed down a lot of the anxiety, a lot of the provocativeness uh, because I recognized the motive behind it and that it really wasn't bringing the life and loving relationships that I well, desired. The security that you were and what, yeah, even the what, security. That's right. Jeff, what did he, what did he say to you that clicked in your head that it was like, I, I'm really, I'm not an eight, I'm a six. Or what did he observe in you that, that, that convinced you of it? Yeah. Well, one of the fun things that you can do with the Enneagram is that if you have someone write out their life story, they will tell that story through the lens of their type. And so I had to write uh, kind of a timeline of my life. And at each moment of change or transformation or meaningfulness in my story, there was always a mentor. And mm. he saw that I was attaching to these people and that's where I was finding security. And so that's how he brought up that. That I was just six. helped me because I, I am an eight and I realized that I didn't start even caring to have mentors or guidance until I started to grow in my awareness and really understand myself. I was much more of the type that would rather just, I'll go and figure it out. And if I fail, then maybe I'll tell you and maybe I'll seek help. So that, <laughs> right. that was helpful. And Lamar, take a note. We are going to use that in our business to have people write out their story That's as great. we go into coaching. That's so helpful. I love that. Jeff, I think you hit on such a good point there. I find that a lot of people 
or it's really maybe half and half. And I'd love to hear your, your wisdom on this, but sometimes they resist, uh, either people really love the Enneagram and they're like, okay, I love this. I want to adopt it. I want to just run with it. Or some people resist having to face that inner world. So when he called you out and saying, Hey, I think you're a six, did that hurt because you had to accept it? Or did it hurt because you kind of maybe knew internally and just didn't want to face it? Yeah, that's right. So we, uh, along with uh, the type comes uh, this lie that we believe about ourselves. We, I wanted to be an eight because it felt safer to me. And I, that was a way of controlling my fear. I go through the uh, adult children of alcoholics and dysfunctional family recovery program. So um, a friend and I are walking through the steps together. And in step three, you, it's I've turn my will and my life over to the care of God. Well, in order to do that, you know, you have to loosen your grip on something in order to grab onto something else. And so Mm. it wasn't just the fact that this is a personality tool and I'm a six, but I'm fundamentally recognizing I'm scared. And do I want Mm. to be honest about my fear? And that's both the beauty and the threat of the Enneagram. It, It feels like another personality test, but man, whenever you find your number, you're like, Oh no, you're deep into my soul. <laughs> how, yes, do, how did we exactly. get here? <laughs> right. You feel naked and exposed. And you're just, uh, that's right. Yes. yes. Can't do anything about it either. <laughs> that's right. But, and so I, it, it just felt difficult and, and I, there was resistance there. Um, but, you know, as I, I think when uh, one of the idioms that we use in recovery is, is if it's not messy, you're not doing it right. Hmm. And so in finding our types, it should be, it should be difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. it's okay whenever we resonate with other numbers because those are probably numbers that are part of our hearts that we're using to overcome our fears. Um, and it should be hard to own our type because yeah, I am known. I mean, yikes, we get on stages around our country. Uh, we're, we have our own podcast mm-hmm. and I'm Hey, I'm a six. I'm a scared, anxious wreck. I mean, you're, you're <laughs> telling your, your stuff to everybody, right. but for some reason it's okay when you're talking about the Enneagram. Yeah. Yes, that's so true. And when you're able to just embrace that vulnerability, I think as an, as an eight, that's what I've enjoyed the most because vulnerability was just not even in my vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, the background in military and law enforcement and the way I was raised, it helped to confirm that vulnerability was a bad word. Um, but it helped me to just embrace it in a way that was like, okay, this is okay because it's a part of me and it's a tension I get to continue to leverage and manage to serve others and we have healthy marriage and, and things like that. So you had mentioned earlier, 15 years, I believe it was that you were kind of formulating what YEC came to be. This is more than numbers, Enneagram for business. So tell us about how long it took you to start your business and then what finally got you going and starting your Enneagram coach. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's such a God thing just to be, I mean, we all know that, but it's just looking back, it's like, oh, this is so interesting. So my degree was in sign language interpreting. And for the longest time, I couldn't understand why God put me on that trajectory for a very short period of time. Then we went into ministry and then Jeff was in the pastorate and I did, you know, uh, a lot of pastoral ministry with alongside him as the pastor's wife. Um, and then just raising our kids. So that was really kind of my background. And I was like, what, where's all this coming from? Well, then in 2014, we moved to Nashville, Tennessee after living in normal Illinois. And I got after about six or seven months, I started looking for a job and I became the personal assistant of Megan Hyatt Miller, who is the daughter of Michael Hyatt. 
wow. who does a lot of productivity and leadership conferences and courses and um, best-selling author books. And so while I was their personal assistant, I was able to spend about five hours every day, Monday through Friday, just listening to their material or the materials that they encourage you to listen to of people they know. And so I was learning about leadership. I was learning about how to do online courses and all, all of those kinds of things. And it just kind of dawned on me at that time, well, I could bring the Enneagram into that sphere. Like I could do online courses or I could do coaching. Um, of course I'm a type nine. So it, you know, that's why it's taken so long because I knew I had this gift, but the mind of the, the nine says, don't assert yourself. That is mm -hmm. the core fundamental lie that holds us back. And so all of this time I would slowly use the Enneagram in you know, one-on-one -on -one conversations, maybe with Jeff, but even when we were asked to speak back in normal Illinois, 90% of the time I would force Jeff to do it because it was mm. like, oh, well, they'll just want to listen to you. You're the pastor. And so I felt like I was kind of like the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain, kind of pulling all the levers, telling Jeff what to mm -hmm. say or what to do and kind of being there on the side. But that really was more of a nine thing than anything. You know, I really felt like yeah. my presence didn't matter. My voice didn't matter. Who's going to really want to listen to me? Right. And it wasn't until after being with the Hyatts, then I started working for Michael and Gail Hyatt as their personal assistant and seeing even more of the business and the background and how amazing they are and what they do that God really woke me up. And there was one time I felt very overlooked in my abilities and I went on a drive and actually was kind of screaming about it, which is as nine, mm. everyone knows that is like the volcano finally erupts. You know, they're mm. usually go along to get along and finally we kind of hit our end. And on my way back, I just felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, why are you so angry? And I'm thinking, are you serious? Like, do you not see how much I've been overlooked? You know, if people would just recognize what I have and, and pull me out, like call me out, then I can do all this stuff. You know, I was waiting for that kind of permission or an invitation. And then, you know, so I was kind of sassy and then <laughs> my wife's and a nine. I, just, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, uh, and then I was just quiet. And then I just felt like him ask again, like, why are you so angry? And it was clear as day. I'm angry because I overlook myself. And it made me realize that what I permit, I promote. And I literally was telling people to overlook me and they were. And so I had to make that conscious decision right then. Do I feel this is my calling? And am I going to do something about it? Am I going to show up or am I going to stay hidden? And that was the moment of that everything changed. And I just started plowing my own path forward with obviously God's help, but everything up to that point, all those 15 years was all of that was leading up to that. And the reason why I brought up the um, interpreting thing, like I said, I had no idea, like what in the world was that all about? And I was talking to Emily Freeman, she's a best-selling author, and she also had the same background. And we were like, oh, that's so interesting. And she said, I bet you God used that in your life because you do a fabulous job bringing the complexity of the Enneagram and translating it in a way that people can understand it. And I was like, oh my gosh, that is so totally true. what I do. That is my passion. That's my desire. And so I'm able to do that easily. And that's really where I got the skill set, you know, long time ago. And so it's just really cool how God in his own timing, though it was long and slow, <laughs> he had his, his way and his path. And I learned so much about Enneagram and the types over those years versus just jumping in all of a sudden, just going for it and missing a lot of the experience that I, yes. that um, I mm -hmm. did grow from. So that's really kind of the story. And then, so we started it really in 2016, uh, January, 2016. Um, and then in 2000 or late 
uh, October, 2016. So I'd already kind of gotten everything going and up and running and coaching some people. And then in October, 2016 is when Ian Cron and Suzanne Stabile's book, the road back to you came out. So here I was kind of already on the surfboard out in the, you know, waiting for a wave to come. And all of a sudden this huge wave, you know, came and I'm like, oh my gosh. Um, and then just about two months later, I started my uh, certification program and become an Enneagram coach. And that has been kind of our flagship thing is to help others coach people so that people can experience lasting tra transformation. That's amazing. I want to go back to just hearing your stories, the type nine, when I learned a helpful tool in ministry and now I use it in my business. When I'm thinking about a product or something that we're going to do or an initiative or a plan, I like to think of very specific people. So in this instance, my wife is a type nine and she's struggling with what she wants to do. She has certain passions and things inside of her, but it's just very hard for her to bring those out. And I've learned as an eight that I can't force them out. So how would you speak to my wife and other type nines that are thinking I have something within me and, and I'm just so frustrated and I want to bring it to life, but I don't believe in myself. What would you say to them? That's a great question. And nines were the most stubborn on the Enneagram. So <laughs> if we're not ready, we're not ready. Um, <laughs> and I do think it, in part, there is a time and a process that God takes us through. So nines, it's as if we're walking in a fog and sometimes it is like split pea soup fog. Like it is just like, I can't see anything in front of me. I don't, and we just want to go along to get along. Like this is much easier at the same time. We're frustrated because we really, it's like everyone, when you're driving the fog, it's really frustrating. You know, you just want to clear it away. So we really do want clarity, but for some reason we just don't have it. And so that can mm. build up a lot of frustration. Um, and I really do think it's God's timing that he brings that clarity. And when a, when a nine is clear, it is like, I now know this is what I want. And so when a nine speaks finally of what they want, that is when people really need to listen and take it seriously. I was just talking to another nine the yeah. other day and, and she told her friends what she wanted in this new house, which is very different than what she used to have. And they just kept questioning her. Like, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? And she's like, I am a hundred percent sure. Like, are, why aren't you listening to me? Mm. Um, but I told her, I go, it makes sense because all of these years you've lived in a fog and they've known that and they're just making sure. But to us, when it's clear, it's clear. So I would just say it's a lot of just surrendering and being patient that the Holy Spirit will make things clear, but continuing to try to wake up, continuing to mm -hmm. looking inside, trying to make sense of what's going on, asking good clarifying questions, journaling a lot, just allowing random thoughts. We meander in our talk style, just allowing those thoughts to come out and then reflecting back on it and really calling ourselves to the forefront, not just uh, shirking back. So I always tell people, even ever since that wake up moment, um, I really kind of see myself getting behind me and pushing like you can mm -hmm. do this. You need to do this. This is your calling. This is your purpose. It matters to God get out there and do it, but it's super hard. And so, you know, it's all of us, all of us have our Achilles heel, the thorn in our side, the things that are holding us back. And so everyone has something they have to continue to work on and lean on Christ to do that in and through them. And yeah. wiping the fog away is the thing that I will always, you know, need help with. It's a constant uh, tension to manage over a problem to solve, right? Exactly. Um, you know, first of all, I think that you really just blessed a lot of people with that. I'm thinking of five, six specific people that I'm going to be like, hey, go to this many minutes, this many seconds and catch what Beth <laughs> said if you catch nothing else. Um, but you also blessed me because I always thought the eights and the ones were the most stubborn. So now I can tell my wife that she's the most stubborn. <laughs> and you brought a lot of Jeff can tell you. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's funny because I... I 
when I think of a nine, I think of us being like elephants and I love elephants. They're great. They're so communal. They're just kind of, you know, they are enjoying each other and they love to like get in water and mud and just kind of slosh around and, and, you know, just relax. But actually they're the king of the jungle because if there's a pack of lions and they start charging those lions, they're, they're gone. You know, they are Mm -hmm. not going to mess with an elephant. So when a nine wakes up and they see their purpose and their calling, you better watch out because they're coming. And that's really what I felt like as we developed all the things that God has taken us through the last uh, four years, it was very clear. And I worked like at least 12 to 14 hour days. And I, it just, my head was down. And now that thing, a lot of things are already built. I have a much more normal work cycle, but I knew that there was going to be the short period of time to get things going so that I could lay this foundation for everyone else to build upon. And yeah. one thing that I'm, I'm mindful of in this is that that desire in her to overlook herself, it, it continues to this day. It, it never really ended. Oh. It's been alongside all the effort that you've put into. I can, I can remember one conversation we had at the same time she was, we were, we were starting YEC. Um, I had also been um, a mediator for the state of Tennessee and also with Peacemaker Ministries. And so I was starting a mediation and uh, pastoral counseling business. And, and Beth's like, you know what, this is too hard. Let's just bring the Enneagram coaching under restoring peace. And as Beth's husband and recognizing what kind of move that was, because she was starting to get some traction on social, uh, we just both decided like, no, that's, this needs to be your thing. We, this God gave you this and we need to follow that by faith and not allow it to become my thing uh, where you can hide behind me again. And so we, I, I wish we could say that we were some great entrepreneurial business leaders and could just found an opportunity and made a lot of money off of it. But the reality is, is that it's, it's much more like the stories of um, the leaders in the Bible where God found us in a corn and bean field and then uh, brought us and we've been reluctant the whole way. And yet he's given us this amazing uh, privilege to, you know, now we've got close to a thousand coaches and over 20 countries. I mean, we yeah. well, could never dream. What's remarkable about it is the very things that were our passions being in the uh, navigators or in the pastorate for Jeff are the exact same things we're doing, but in a business context. Mm-hmm. And it, we actually are seeing so much more transformation at an accelerated pace because people are, are putting skin in the game. They're paying for their transformation, a good, healthy coaching wage or paying for a course. And that they show up. Whereas mm-hmm. before a lot of times they're like, eh, do I really want to, you know, do I have the time? And so we're seeing so much more transformation and uh, lives, you know, change for the better communities. And we're just like, Lord, this is so exciting to just see this. And then we get to see people like you who take our course and then to run with it and bless even a whole nother slew of people. It's like, wow, we never could have planned this or strategized right. it. God just, it was his work and his plan. Well, one of the reasons, other than my admiration for the two of you, that I was very excited to have you on was that I found that eights, ones, threes, and sevens are disproportionately represented amongst business owners and entrepreneurs, right? You all know that a bit better than than I do. I, 
Uh, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on that. But as a type six and a type nine, um, I feel like some of those types that are more reluctant will say, well, that's just not for me. So with saying that, Jeff, what was your side of the story there as a type six and venturing out uh, against your fears to do this, even though you were reluctant? Uh, what's your story in, in starting the business? Yeah, we had the uh, gift of that particular season because um, I had stepped away from the job that moved us here. And our kids were teenagers. They were just, we had been here for a year and they were just getting traction with relationships here. So they didn't want to move. I started interviewing for other positions in other states and that, it, that was just not happening. Even for me, there was a moment where I was driving and uh, just listening to a song and I can't remember the name Home. of the song. It, you know, who was the guy who sang it? Philip Phillips song Home. And it says, I'm going to make this place your home. And it landed on me as if God said it. And so wow. for me, it, it was very similar to Beth. You know, if, if you're not doing it scared, you're probably not doing it right. That means because you're just playing the comfortable comfort zone. And so, yeah, it was scary. Um, I remember Beth, well, she brings it up frequently. We were having dinner uh, at a Mexican food restaurant and she was outlining what she thought this could be. And, and I, I thought that's fine, but it's not going to happen fast. And it's going to take a lot of hard work is what I'm thinking mm -hmm. in my mind. She tells it as if I didn't believe that this thing could be that big. Well, you can, you, I mean, you guys, now you know the Enneagram, you can see a nine is like laying out, you know, thoughts and plans and asserting her voice. And then the six is like thinking of all the possibilities that could go wrong. Well, that lands offering. on me as don't assert your voice. <laughs> and wow. just offering the best of who he is. <laughs> and which is interesting because I, I think about this. One of the most significant conversations I've had with my son, top five conversations with our son. He wanted to start a business when he went to college to make extra money. And I told, I was telling him all the reasons why it would be difficult to start a business. Hmm. I'm coaching him to think like a six. Wow. He yeah. starts weeping and we've got an open enough relationship that I simply just ask, like, what is it that, how is this landing on you? And he said, I've never wanted to tell you this dad, but when I share with you my dreams, my hopes, my desires, I'm already having to do my six thing and my six thoughts. And then you're wow. then compounding it. So, I mean, there is a way in which, yeah, I, despite our numbers, the Lord continued to push us forward um, because we were trying to come up with all the different reasons to sabotage this thing and that still show up today. I mean, I, I would say that's probably one of the biggest things that we see not only for us, but also with our coaches in the program, it's our own head trash. It's our own limiting beliefs that get in the way of success and yeah. uh, actually creating um, these ecosystems, these businesses, um, that the Lord's called us to do. And so we, we can only say uh, by the grace of God that we're, yeah. we're in this place. And, and even with our team now, uh, our team is very aware of what our head trash is and when it shows up, because we right. don't want our limiting beliefs to get in the way of our team thriving, 
uh, or of this ministry thriving. That's uh, such a good point because each person, again, back to all the tensions to manage, you're saying that, hey, we still have these tensions of a type nine and of a type six, even uh, as we grow our business. And a large uh, majority of our clientele are business leaders and they want to learn how to better lead their team or build their team. So how have you two built your team with understanding your strengths and weaknesses? Uh, How have you intentionally built your team with that understanding? Well, uh, the first thing, I, I don't know if it's prescriptive or descriptive, but um, one, we like to hire eights as our directors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Are you recruiting me? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and a part of that, I think, is because we recognize our own uh, liabilities as leaders. Uh, we need decision makers. We need people who will bring out courage in us. Um, matter of fact, recently um, our team set up a photo shoot for us for some for this next year, and I looked at the pictures like, "Wow, we look professional! Like, man, we're <laughs> legit." And I just affirmed the team like, "You're bringing something out in us that we didn't think we had ourselves," and that has been a tremendous gift. Mm-hmm. Now, I experience it. Beth loves it. Like she loves the fact that our eights are going for it and making things happen. I get scared or anxious at times because I, I, I like I can't control this person. Like they're <laughs> that right. machine's running and they're going for it. Uh, and so, it, well, and and I think it's because I don't necessarily want to know all the information. If I know that I I can trust, like our COO is a Type Eight with a Nine Wing. I trust that she sees through my lens and Jeff's lens and she is bringing Mm. the best of what she can offer and moving things forward. So I'm like, sweet. I don't have to know all the information because to a nine, that's overwhelm too much information. Whereas Mm. for Jeff, his top strength and strength binders is restorative. So Mm. he wants to know all the things, especially with a six, with a five wing. Well, I mean, he has both, he does very strongly, but that five also wants to know all the information. And it's not that he wants to have necessarily a say in it. He just wants to know what's going on and be, you know, um, aware of all the things. And I'm like, I don't want to know all the things. So it's just really interesting how uh, Jeff will stay more in touch with uh, Susie and have, you know, regular meetings with her. Whereas I'm like, Hey, if you need me, let me know, you know, otherwise yeah. I know you've got my back. So that we've had to kind of learn. Um, and it is a little tricky because we literally live together. So, <laughs> you know, we'll, we talk about the business and we do it together, but we've had to also learn how much he can information he can kind of pour onto me and how much information he needs to actually stay and, and meet with team members and work through that information instead of overwhelming me. So it is, it's a daily, Mm -hmm. daily challenge. Um, And I also need to recognize he needs that space to process or know more stuff um, and to Uh, give it to him. And I do know that because we talk, the nature of the business that we're in, our team is very aware of their numbers. And when the dynamics of that personality type present itself, both healthy and unhealthy ways. So it, it's a part of our culture that in some businesses, because they're not a personality business, a personality coaching business, it might be a little harder, uh, mm-hmm. but it's a part of our common vernacular. Like, I, you know, I, I'm being an eight right now. I'm being a six right now, but not in a defensive or stonewalling way, but just as an affirmation, this may be landing on you wrong. And I'm sorry about that, but I'm, and I'm aware of it. Mm-hmm. And right, that right. just makes our team function. I mean, we, we're all remote. And so we use Slack and Zoom a lot. And I mean, you know how 
messaging apps can be. I mean, you write something and it lands on people differently. Um, just yesterday, we were hiring some customer support people and one of our customer support people uh, chimed in, hey, we've hired some help for weekend hours and holiday hours. And I just chimed in like, so who did we hire? Because they, they forgot to tell me. Mm. Um, and, you know, the, the more anxious types were like, oh, no, we forgot to tell <laughs> the CEO that we hired (laughs) somebody when I was just curious. And so, but we, (laughs) it became a a way of discussing like, okay, Jeff is not a leader, this authoritarian leader that needs to know everything and make every decision. He's asking from a place of curiosity and trust, but they want to be loyal and show their loyalty. So they were afraid that they somehow offended me or transgressed a boundary and it became a really lighthearted, fun conversation because we all saw that situation through the lens of our type. Mm-hmm. And it was just the well, little slack conversation. And when, when the COO, who is the type eight with a nine wing, she was, she's texting us like, I'm so sorry. We got a, out ahead. I, I was, I wrote up a message to you guys letting you know, and I forgot to send it, you know, and she's just apologizing because she doesn't want to, you know, push too far ahead and not let us know. And I just said, Hey, I know you, and this is where, you know, understand the Enneagram and cultivating a community of love and support is like, I know you've got our back. You would never hire without really deep consideration. She, she likes to hire slow fire fast. And she's like, and so I I told her that I said, look, I know this is who you are. And so I trust that you have made a good selection. We're going to, it was going to be a trial run anyway. So we're going to see how it goes. You know, thank you for, you know, apologizing, but we really know that you have our back. So by communicating back to her in her own language, what she hopes that I would see in her, it helps her to calm, you know, like go, okay, good. We're on the same page. She understands me instead of me going, what in the world? Like, how could you do this? You know, and coming at from my own angle, that just doesn't help leadership or community. Now I may, I might need to say, Hey, totally understand. This is how it went next time. If you guys could give us a heads up that would, you know, you could do all sorts of things, but when you communicate to that type in the language, they understand what's important to them. You soften everything enough so that you can have the ability to have clarity and communication. Yeah. So helpful. You reminded me of a conversation I literally just had with my CMO this morning. He sent me over some graphics and I was like, okay, I'd kind of change this or, you know, but what's your perspective? And he's an eight. So he sent me back why he would keep it the way it was. And I told him, Hey, if you believe in it, I believe in you. I wasn't meaning to be cliche at all, but he said, thanks cliche. And I said, wait a hold. Did you just call me a cliche? Like, and uh, <laughs> so I got upset at that because you think I was being genuine. I said, okay, let me translate it into eight speech. Do whatever you want to do because you're a big boy and you're in charge. And he's like, that's better. <laughs> yes, so <laughs> yes. Yes. we were able to have the better conversation. But you know, um, if you look at your business as a type nine, so if Jeff's the CEO, then Beth, what's your role? Um, I'm the chief cre- creative officer. Content. Okay. Content. Yeah, not creative. Don't put me in the creative. Yeah, that would be really bad. (laughs) So the two of you founded and you, yeah, the two of you founded and you lead your business as a type six and a type nine, and you've surrounded yourself by people that are, uh, they bring out, uh, they help to charge forward type eights Mm -hmm. and such. What would you say for the opposite? So for example, myself as the CEO, I'm an eight. Lamar is a one. Um, my CMO is also a type eight. And then one of our advisors uh, is a type one. So you see how it's kind of the opposite of that. What would you say to those more assertive and aggressive leaders about building their team in the same way to mitigate for some of their weaknesses? You know, we, we get this question uh, a lot because of our uh, Becoming Us Marriage book and 
talking about the Enneagram applied to marriage, some people will ask us, um, did I marry the wrong type or what's the best type that I should marry? Um, and what we tell people is that there's no best type. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Every type, every couple type has their strengths and their liabilities. Uh, and so sometimes it's uh, people think, well, can you use the Enneagram to find the right person for the right job? So type ones can only do financials. I don't want it because they're going to be accurate and clear and they're going to have processes. They're going to be very efficient. They're going to be very detail oriented. Well, the reality is, is that a lot of the other types can do the same thing, but they do it from a different perspective and for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I think part of it is just recognizing what you're naturally inclined to do, the strengths of it. So you've got a very efficient, a very decisive culture that also comes with liabilities. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of opinionated people on that team. Um, And wanting to go fast. That's right. So it's recognizing that. You're talking about our team? Yes. Two eights and the two ones. Okay. (laughs) Well, true. Yeah. And and we don't know anything about your team per se. I mean, I know you, but I don't know. We're just speaking from an Enneagram perspective. And so, yeah, like you guys are going to charge in fast, but it's not going to be a feeling oriented group. I guarantee you that. (laughs) I mean, just think of the various triads of the Enneagram, right? So the instincts or uh, just think through stances, uh, how the, your group is going to handle conflict. Uh, it's going to, it's going to be very fact driven, high intensity, but the, the things that you're going to miss right now is a lot of the emotions, but also the nine perspective of all nine types. So having a culture where you, I mean, and, but Keanu, even though I know you have a seven wing, you can tap into the nine and Lamar can tap into the nine as well. And that's, that's, what's really important is if you don't have someone in that role, what can you do to bring about it? Whether it's through a wing or a, a, you know, path that you have, whereas the nine is going to help you guys to see all perspectives, but you also don't have someone sitting in the seat of the six where they're saying, Hey, that sounds awesome. But have you thought of all these things that could go wrong? you know, have you prepared for all of this? And we, we saw a team that was laying out a product and they are the same kind of team, fast and furious. And it ended up that they had a, once the product was launched, there were a lot of things that weren't noticed ahead of time that they had to go back and fix. Mm -hmm. And whereas if you had a six in, in that, in a role to point out that stuff, it can really frustrate a team like yours, but it also can save your hide in the long run. Right. (laughs) The thought came to mind. Did you guys watch the movie war world war Z? Yes. Zombies. Yes, a zombie movie. Yes. But I, I thought, I mean, this is why we need sixes because when I can't remember, Brad Pitt was the main actor. So he's traveling around trying to figure out why everybody's becoming a zombie. And he ends up in Jerusalem. And in their council, they had this policy that there was always the, the worst case scenario guy got to speak last. And the reason why Jerusalem had built a wall and was prepared for a zombie apocalypse is because they had the worst case scenario guy work on a solution should that happen. 
And mm. so you guys don't have it. So in in a zombie apocalypse, you're going to get eaten up. <laughs> yes. Yes. And all of us sixes are going to be or great. Or a pandemic. Or a pandemic. Yeah, sure. Well, what's sure. going to be funny is we're going to be so excited to go rush into battle that <laughs> we won't cover all of our bases. So we'll be out in the middle of it. And like Jeff and Beth, we did an extraction. So I know who to call. Um, yes. But yes. it's just so you know that um, we talked about in our last podcast, we called it uh, No New Friends, and, but it was talking about how people don't like to bring along people that challenge their perspectives, right? Yeah. So if we, let's say, for example, we removed the Enneagram from our business and Lamar and I, we just, we go, you know, headstrong into whatever we want to accomplish. And then we bring someone on that we think, wow, they'd be a great fit. Maybe let's say they're a, a six that thinks they're an eight, huh, Jeff? And uh, <laughs> then they start pointing out, hey, but what about we might have the tendency or business owners might say, hey, that person just doesn't fit here. Or they don't get it without fully respecting the strengths yes. that they actually bring to the table. So it's just so helpful to, to hear that from your perspective that, hey, you, you shouldn't be afraid of challenging your perspective as the two of you have done to build a very successful business. And I think the key of being a really good leader using the Enneagram is is really recognizing the strengths of the type that is before you and really highlighting them the best you can, because ultimately all of us want to be seen, understood, and known. And when we can bring that as leaders that I see you, you know, I understand you and I know you to the point, obviously we don't fully understand, you know, another person, but to the point that we can and highlighting that people's internal, um, kind of either annoyances or frustrations or feeling shame or whatever it is that they're dealing with can calm down and the best of who they are can shine. So for instance, we have a type six on our team. Who's very remote. Um, he's actually a vendor that we're using, but he's a little bit more in our team. He does a lot of the it stuff and mm -hmm. some hiccup happened in uh, one of our email systems. And it was kind of causing a problem because we, it was targeting people who'd already bought something for us and it was kind of asking them to buy it again. Well, that can be annoying when you've already spent money on that very thing. And it wasn't actually his fault, but you know, I'd chimed in like, Hey, can we see what's going on here? Can we get it fixed? And so he was doing the best he could to get all of this fixed, but, and he never said, Hey, I didn't do this. You know, like this wasn't, this was from the people before me. And when I recognized he was a type six, you know, he wanted to know that he was, his job was safe and secure and that he, and he wanted me to know that he was working hard and being very responsible. And he, he never said that, but I knew that was what was going on in the background. So I just chimed in with a message, just letting him know all of those things. Like, Hey, I'm so thankful that you are so responsible, that you are for us. You're on our team and you're doing the best you can with what was given to you. That wasn't your fault. And he said that just meant the world to him because I literally spoke his language and I highlighted the best of what he's trying to offer. And that allows mm. that person of that type to continue in that same trajectory because it's like, I feel seen, heard, and known in this community. And that's really what we're right. wanting to do. So whatever types you end up having, and yeah, I think it's good to try to be somewhat diversified if it's the right person for the right seat in the company. Mm -hmm. But more than that, what are, what are you missing that could be a liability, but also what do you have and what are the strengths there and how can you highlight them? And I think that can be a, a just invaluable message for other leaders. So That's good. awesome. I had one more. I, I didn't have a question until just now, but earlier you had mentioned uh, uh, Jeff, when we were talking about type sixes, we've got the phobic and then the counterphobic sixes. Just can you can you shed some light on that difference? Because that was something I found really unique about sixes that doesn't really exist with other types. Right. So it 
it, what it's speaking to is how the six relates to their fear. So let's say um, cliff diving. Uh, a phobic six would talk about how scared they are just getting up to the top of the cliff and rechecking, 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 rechecking gear, and then talking through what to do, how to, what about this, what about this, what about this, what about this, versus the counterphobic six, when they start to feel anxious, they get bigger or they press into the fear so that it, they, they don't feel like it's controlling them. And so they may be more in their anxiety, more quick to run up the mountain and not check their gear and then jump. Or, or check it, but just show that their fear is not going to take them over. That's right. They're going to control their fear. And, and so it's, but it's still related around the idea of fear. So a counterphobic six can look like an eight, but the difference between them is that the eight, it's more instinctual and more decisive. Mm -hmm. They don't experience the fear. Or self-doubt. Or self-doubt. Mm -hmm. They just make the decision and move on. Mm -hmm. uh, so it does look a little nuanced. Um, it, I have to be mindful that my counterphobic six presence uh, has an energy to it when I'm in meetings, whether or not I intend to communicate it or not. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I just have to be mindful that whenever I say things or do things that it's going to land on people in a particular way. And I need to be mindful of it in order to steward the influence. Well, one of our um, executives on our team is a very strong counterphobic six. Um, mm -hmm. And we went over to his house one day and his wife and his kids and him and his new dog, who is like eight months old and like 90 pounds. So this is um, a bro bowl which is like some kind of mastiff. So this huge dog, you know, and, and he's kind of barking a little bit, you know, kind of like kind of barking. You can kind of hear the un uncertainty behind his bark. And so uh, Katie, uh, Robert's wife came up and she said, yeah, Lou's a lot like Robert. There's a big bark, but it's really scared inside, you know? And I just <laughs> died laughing because because that's really what a counterphobic six you're experiencing is there's a lot of self-doubt and fear because of the inner committee that is uh, plaguing the six, like even the, uh, the phobic six, but they don't want to show the fear because it feels more secure mm. to look strong like an eight. Um, mm. And so that's a big difference. Whereas eights, they don't have that inner committee that's causing all that chaos and confusion and self-doubt inside. When their gut speaks, they follow and they, they're decisive. And so there's just a really big difference between those two, but outwardly, they can actually look very similar. Yeah. When I think of a counterphobic six, I would think like that's how it, I would want to be, right? If my fear is right here, let me go attack that. Even though I am overcompensating in a way, instead of kind of, I'm so scared that I do nothing. Right. Mm -hmm. But, but help me understand that sure. better if I'm wrong. Yeah. I mean, and, and this really gets to the nuance of things. Uh, and particularly in the Bible, when it speaks more to the heart versus just the obedience, the act. And so, you know, it's out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks that mm. the Lord's more concerned about our motives. Um, mm. And the, I think the key is um, there's a guy named Friedman who talks about this as a non-anxious presence. And so it's not a reaction to a fear that God is calling us to, but he's asking us to act, to choose wisdom, mm. sober mindedness, not reactivity. Mm -hmm. mm. And so even an eight may look like they have courage, but they may be doing it through the lens of no one's going to control me and I'm going to do whatever and somehow I want to do. Hmm. That's not faith, right? Hmm. That's arrogance. 
And so a, a three may jump into a situation and, and see the opportunity for success. And we may admire their drive and um, their tenacity and perseverance to succeed, but it's all for glory. It's not intended to honor God. It's more for selfish ambition. And so the Enneagram helps us in this way to challenge some of these things, to look, our natural inclination is to look to the outward behaviors of each type and stereotype them and think, oh, you must be this because you care about these things. The Enneagram is much more powerful than that because it speaks to motive. Mm -hmm. So something that can look very godly actually has much more selfish intent behind it. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yep. You're my mail is a type eight for sure. <laughs> it is definitely fun, fun to embrace it though. Um, you know, sure. in closing guys, I'd, I'd love to hear just right now. I, one of the things that motivated me to jump in and start my business now in 2020, where a lot of people said, Hey, it doesn't really make sense. It was moving more so in faith, but I look back at 2008, you know, the last time that things were kind of down in the dumps and all the businesses that came from that. So what would you all say to encourage people that are thinking about jumping in the water right now when maybe it, it doesn't make sense, but they know, let's say they know God has already called them to take that step. What would you all tell them just to encourage them in, in building that now coming out of 2020? Well, um, there's the personal aspect to it. And then there's the economic aspect to it. Uh, and then also, I think just the Enneagram and its popularity on the personal aspect, you know, there, each type brings their reasons for their own sabotaging reasons, particularly when it comes to op entrepreneurialism, it's dangerous. It, it feels dangerous. It's tough. It, it is so hard, uh, no matter when you start something. Um, and just to recognize that to maybe try to jot down all the rules and all the reasons why you don't want to stop and see if that's a, a reflection of uh, your core fears and core weakness and core longings uh, as your Enneagram type. Mm -hmm. And then as it relates to the opportunity, it, 2020 although we've not necessarily experienced it in our mind and body because it's a very sobering year. So d even though we've experienced tremendous success as a business this year, we've not necessarily experienced the joy of that because man, mm. it's just, there's, it's so weary. Like it just keeps right. coming. And then all the cultural things that are happening. But the reality is this, whenever March came around and they shut everything down, uh, we just happened to observe our friends on social media and how they were responding according to their type. And so we immediately turned that into some social posts in a podcast episode. And we just found that the Enneagram was such a significant help for everyone. It was helping them understand how they're relating to the pandemic, what they're naturally inclined to do uh, being shut down how they're treating their families, uh, how they're parenting, how they're handling their finances or the threat of losing their jobs. And so the Enneagram was incredibly helpful. So in that sense, it, the Enneagram as an opportunity, it, the need is always there. There's even more need uh, as things become even more chaotic. Uh, we did some episodes back in, on our podcast back in, I guess it was June, on uh, race relations and social justice and how each type relates to social justice, which was in very helpful uh, to, right. to be able to help people understand how they're relating to some of the uh, issues that are related to social justice in our country 
Why am I inclined to turn off the news? Why am I inclined to get upset and go find more articles? All those different things, it helped people to understand why they're reacting to it the way that they are. And as it relates to the Enneagram, it continues to grow. I mean, we're still continuing to get thousands of people a day uh, taking our assessment. Uh, there are a lot of people that want to learn about themselves. They want to understand why uh, as it relates to them and what they're experiencing in their life and what they're facing in their marriages. I don't understand me. I don't understand my spouse. I don't understand my kids, uh, all these various things. And even for where you're working, Keanu, that within business, most leaders aren't necessarily thinking, oh, I'm trying to fix my business according to my type which is actually getting in the way of me finding real solutions and then understanding why their teams are responding the way that they are. So it, the Enneagram, there's a tremendous opportunity because really it's a, about emotional intelligence, being able to manage ourselves and understand ourselves and being able to understand and manage our relationships. So good. Beth, anything, anything to add? <laughs> yeah, you know, I think I think the biggest, you know, of course, everything like Jeff said, but I think, you know, coming from the perspective of the Enneagram coach, when people are trying to set out in 2020 with the pandemic, I think the biggest word is or biggest words are self-awareness and pivoting. You know, that if you aren't self-aware and you're able to lean on the truth of the gospel that you are safe and secure in what Christ has done in and for you completely. If you, if you're not safe there, then self-awareness can just be thrown out the window because we, in order to have self-awareness, you have to see the highs and the lows and the lows can be super hard. We want to blame shift, defend, get away from those kinds of things. But when we know that everything has been taken care of by Christ, we can then see on this side of heaven that we're still struggling with these, you know, weaknesses and frailties and liabilities. We can own it, apologize and move towards others without fear or trepidation, even though I know we will, we'll still feel it, but we don't have to because the work has already been completed by Christ. So we can actually move more boldly in our weaknesses because he's the one that's strong and he's the one that's doing the work, but then pivoting, you know, this is the opportunity of a lifetime to learn what it means to pivot, you know, and so many companies or people won't pivot, for instance, uh, blockbuster, you know, like, Great example. Mm, right. Whoever in my wildest dreams, like, like in 1980s, if you would have said Blockbuster would be gone someday, I'd been like, what are you talking about? But they didn't pivot. They didn't go along with what was needing to happen for that time period. And so when you see the opportunity, what is it that about your business or what you're doing that needs to pivot to be more current in the times of what needs to happen? And if your personality, like Jeff said, is hindering you, you need to get people around you, get yourself out of those particular areas, get out of the way a little bit and allow those other people to take your business or what you're doing the step further because they have the strength or the stamina or whatever it is to get you there. So helpful guys. Well, you've added so much value, not only to us, I forgot we were recording a podcast. I'm just here taking notes. Um, <laughs> right. but, you know, There's some long form podcasts out there that go three, four hours. And I always wonder how do they do that? But when you sit down I'm and you sure. have a great conversation with great people, I mean, I could just sit here and talk all day, but I know that we are up on our time. Lamar had a quick question just about um, some resources. Go ahead, Lamar. Oh, yeah. I'd love to, to, for us and the listeners, what are some resources that you guys use to 
uh, increase your knowledge on the Enneagram? And then also, what are some resources that YEC provides um, that that we can get our listeners connected to? Well, um, well, we have two books, or actually 10 books, two different kinds. Uh, so Becoming Us is about using the Enneagram to create a, th- a thriving gospel-centered marriage. And even though it's really kind of focused on marriage, it really is about relationships. So we're talking, you know, leadership and all those things. So you can just kind of filter through the book and think of relationships, coworkers, those kind of dynamics. And the second half of the book is um, this kind of this really awesome, uh, what would you say? Roadmap. Roadmap. Yeah. Summary. I would say it is not only is it the, the hit, uh, which is the back section of this section two of the book, but it's probably the, uh, the clearest and uh, most exhaustive content regarding each type yeah, uh, and how to relate to each type and how that type relates to people. So it's just a great book to have at your desk when you're at work, when you're leading. And when you know someone's type to just take a look, it's all bullet points. So it's real you know, like for Keanu, you guys is really want it short and sweet. It's short and sweet to the point. And so before you, let's say, go into a meeting, you can kind of review some ideas and go, okay, when I come to that meeting, I need to be mindful of these things and how that person might think or operate. Uh, so it's very insightful. Um, the other books is the Enneagram collection and the Enneagram collection is there's nine books, one for each type. And it's a 21 day gift book journal where people will learn about their type in bite-sized lessons. So over course of 21 days, each day is about a page and a half worth of content. And it's just lays out their personality, but guides them to a deeper relationship of Christ, with Christ and transformation. And that can also be a really helpful tool in whether it's small groups or business groups where each day is about the same topic. So you guys can be learning together about yourself and then coming together and discussing what you learn. So you get to know each other as well. So those would be some of the things. And then we have online courses anywhere from discovering you, which is an overview of the Enneagram and each type all the way to taking my uh, private coaching, which is an online course called exploring you, where I actually coach you through an online course. And then our big course, which is uh, become an Enneagram coach. And that's what Keanu, what you took into becoming certified so that you can then branch off and then bless all the other people with the same information. Love it. Thank you guys for sharing. And we will have a link in the show notes as well for you all to get connected uh, to Beth and Jeff, to your Enneagram coach. Guys, I can't thank you enough for the impact that you've had in my life and so many others, and just the impact that I know that this podcast is going to bring. So guys, check them out. They also have an amazing Instagram account, your Enneagram coach, uh, to get even more content. Uh, We will have you guys on another episode. We can talk again. Absolutely. Yes, let's do it. (laughs) Yeah, we, we could talk forever. Yes. So have we us on again because it's fun to it's fun to talk. <laughs> <It's great. laughs> I, I a lot of this after to... you all are uh, so often producing content, it's so fun to get, have it pulled out of you instead of yes. having to lead the thought. So oh, absolutely. At the same point, Lamar and I, we talk so much that we like just being able to pull it out of other people. I know, right? I'm like, this was actually really nice just to sit down and interview someone. (laughs) It's a great change of pace to just like ask questions and let you talk. Because I'm like, yeah, it it is. There is a little bit of a grind when it comes to you know, doing a podcast every single week and, and thinking of yes. new content. So it's it's really fun where you can just bring in not only two completely different people, but two completely different types and, and have a just bring a, a different level to the conversation. That was fun. But, well, thanks, guys. It was great being with you. Thank you, guys. 